The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal. From the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. This is Dave Schultz, your host for this particular program. Like all of our programs are heard every Sunday night on KKHT 100.7 FM, either at the 7 or the 7.30 slot. During this time of the year, during uh, November and a portion of December, we are highlighting ministry, ministry not only in our own midst, but ministry across the area where we live. And we're looking at pastors and lay and lay people, and we're looking at DCE, Director of Christian Education and Christian Day School Teachers, all those who serve the Lord Jesus Christ in the church. Today, I have sitting with me a dear friend and an associate here at St. John, Pastor Jeff Doria. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Good to be here. I know that we can talk about ministry for a whole bunch of time, but I got some specific questions I'd like to ask you about ministry that probably will help the people in the listening audience to better understand a minister, a pastor's heart and joys and anxieties and frustrations as well. But I'd like to begin by saying, how long you been in the ministry? Well, I've been in, as far as being an ordained pastor, for 19 plus years, almost 20 years. Where'd you start? First call was in uh, at Trinity Lutheran Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, and uh, was there for about two years, and then was uh, in San Antonio for about 13 years. And for the past three years? Uh, past four and a half. Four, four and a half been years. Here. Yeah, been here. Uh, here at St. John. Uh, mm-hmm. How time flies when you're flies. getting old. That's right. Not you, but me. Oh, no, I'm catching up to you. <laughs> so. Well, I just know that your head um, swims with things that not only um, have happened in the past, but uh, have happened to other people that you've counseled and taken care of and called upon to take care of. I'd like to just... Uh, Talk a little bit about the ministry that you have had over the past 19 years and kind of a a summary of what that looks like to the listening audience. Well, it's been uh, serving in three different congregations, um, and all three have been quite distinct, uh, unique in in their communities where they serve and uh, some of the history. Um, But it's it's been a fun ride. I like to look at ministry as a as a kind of a roller coaster or just an adventure and uh and sometimes I look at it as a whitewater rapids uh going down the Colorado River or something where uh you know sometimes it's pretty adventuresome and crazy and other times it's pretty peaceful and you can enjoy the view but um you know in Corpus Christi it was it was a short time there I was an associate pastor uh, there and um, um, while I was there I also took care of two other congregations serving their vacancies so sometimes a pastor will not only serve the church they're called to, 
But if there's a vacancy somewhere, uh, there are certain people that are asked to kind of fill in. So uh, I spent a year serving a vacancy in West Sinton, and which is about hmm, 40 minutes away, I think a 40-minute drive from where I was at in Corpus Christi. And then uh, I also helped take care of not just me, but I helped uh, some other pastors uh, take care of a church in Refugio, uh Texas. So uh, so anyway, I was a I was a circuit pa- uh, circuit rider, you might say, and uh, and it was great because all three of those churches were named Trinity. So I didn't have to worry about messing up anybody's names, and I could just say my brothers and sisters at Trinity Lutheran Church. So, uh, so that was good, and that was uh, for a year and a half to two years. Um, I was there when uh, that was my first call was when uh, 9/11 and all the destruction happened. So my first year, that first fall um, of my ministry as a pastor, um, that hit. So that was just kind of set my beginning stages um, in a different course than we expected. Uh, but then I spent the last 13 years, or the next 13 years, in at King of Kings in San Antonio, a wonderful congregation that was uh, surrounded, I'd say, like three sides of that congregation were surrounded by apartments, much of which was government-subsidized apartments. And so we had a different kind of ministry as far as uh, the immediate context of um, uh, the congregation and the campus. Uh, we had we developed a, a real strong food pantry that is continuing to go on now, um, and and so it was a uh, a good ministry there. I, the first two years I was an associate pastor, and then the the next eleven years I was their senior pastor, and uh, and there I had you know my kids call that area home. My none of my kids were born in San Antonio, but all four of them would say that you know that was their place of memory, uh, their home, and. Uh, so ministry is not only serving the church, but also your family life and where that is connected. And um, so that San Antonio was where we were, uh, where home was as far as the kids being raised. Um, it, you know, one of the one, my first year there in San Antonio, I had my own personal 9/11. Uh, you might say I was I got contracted streptococcus pneumonia shock syndrome B, is what I remember the doctor saying. Um, it put me in the hospital. I was on a ventilator life support system for about four days. And, uh, and, uh, it was one of those situations where I just got something really bad. And before I knew it, I was done. And, uh, wasn't for my wife to get me to the hospital. I wouldn't be here. Um, and so I, they, I was on life support for, for four days until I pulled the tube out. Apparently I pulled that sucker out myself and, uh, I know how to unhook the the clips that they uh, hook you in in the hospital bed. You know, I've done enough hospital visits. I know how to unhook them. So apparently I did that and I pulled the tube out. So um, uh, just they said I was fighting to live. So that's a good thing. Um, so then after that, my appreciation for each day and life and relationships, I think, grew. And uh, and so I didn't take nearly uh, nearly as much stuff for granted anymore. And um, And so as far as ministry then... Um, relationships grew as far as stronger and more important to me. And so uh, um, I see that a lot in ministry. And that hasn't changed. And and so even coming here to St. John, um, you know, wonderful congregation. We're not surrounded by government-subsidized housing here. Uh, it's a different kind of immediate context of ministry. and um, and But still one of brokenness in the sense that there's a lot of garage door. We call it garage door syndrome here where uh, 
people can pull into their garages and then door closes and you don't see them. You don't know your neighbors all that well, uh, or at least, you know, a lot of people don't. And you don't know what the, the hidden brokenness is in, in behind those walls. And, uh, you know, I just uh, got a message from one of the ladies in my confirmation class uh, today, actually, where uh, she sent me something on Facebook and uh, she was telling me how her daughter is failing a couple grades, a couple classes in school. They're behind in confirmation. They feel real bad about it. And the mom was saying that she's she's having a hard time with, uh, you know, just the just living and functioning and and going on with uh, just the new normal um, of school for her kids. And and so it's a real tough thing. So there's a lot of struggle, a lot of brokenness, even in the midst of what seems to be really nice on the outside. So ministry comes in a lot of different ways, but I sure do appreciate the relationships. What would you say would be the highlight of what all ministries should look like? <laughs> well, when Jesus comes back and takes us to heaven, that'll be uh, that'll be the great thing. Uh, between now and then. Uh, between now and then, um, yeah. What would it look like? Oh, I, you know, I wish I had a nice picture um, of it that I could just tell you off the top of my head. I, I think that uh, when I see when I see families worshiping, when I see uh, say in a worship service, um, I saw you know, a husband and wife holding hands uh, during benediction or Lord's prayer. Uh, or kids uh, with their families. And uh, you see that connection of a family at the foot of the cross, that the idea of, of receiving God's blessings, God's grace, where they value one another and they know they're worshiping the Lord. Um, and so that that would be something recently that uh, I've seen, and, and uh, it's just, that's a treasure. Everyone has someone in their life who has been probably the most influential in terms of of encouraging you to do what you're now doing. Was there somebody in your life, or or maybe there's more than one person, who was that dynamic person who, in a very quiet way, was the support, was the encouragement for you to be in ministry as you are today? You know, there's been a few, I would have to say, along my journey. Um, one was a DCE. A couple of them are DCEs. One was Bev Hecht, and uh, another one was Kim Shoot. And uh, Kim and I uh, stay in contact a little bit, and uh, he continues to serve up north. And uh, uh, great guy, loves music, and he was our youth worker, and and uh, and so he was real instrumental in my high school days. Um, when I was, I I got hired on as a youth worker in the mid '90s, early '90s. And uh, so I had a couple pastors then. One was a Lutheran campus minister, uh, Pastor Bob Budwig. Uh, he was at U of H, uh, University of Houston. And uh, so he and I had a good relationship. He helped me through my uh, 10-year plan of a bachelor's degree. I was on the 10-year plan. Uh, you might think I'm joking, but it really did take me 10 years because uh, I was a senior uh, single parent uh, much of that time and uh, raising my daughter. And uh, so it took me a while to finish school. Uh, but he was there and... Uh, uh, and then um, Ralph Hobrach down at Hope Lutheran. And uh, so uh, Ralph and, and uh, Bob were pastors there at Hope as well. And uh, uh, they hired me on as their youth worker. And so I worked for them for five years doing youth ministry until until the Lord put on my heart to go to the seminary. And so those, those few people were very instrumental in my faith growing. Um, and so, yeah, been good. Good journey. As you look back, might you be willing to tell us 
what you might have done differently given the opportunities that you know today? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, there is uh, sometimes it's real easy to get caught up doing the duties. Um, there's lots of ways you can be pulled to carry out ministry, uh, logistical things, meetings and such. But um, one thing that I would like, if I look back over the previous 20 years, to, to be even more with God's word and uh, even more with God's people and less maybe less on meetings and uh, some of the logistical stuff. Um, I think now with technology, Internet, uh, email, social media, you name it, we have more and more avenues of communication that can easily pull us away from being with people and even from the actual Word of God as well. Uh, there's just so many distractions. And and so to just be more dis, even more disciplined, um, to be in, in God's Word and, and prayer life and with His people uh, in, a, in a beneficial way, I think that I would just be a little more uh, intentional about that. Um, I know a lot of pastors have struggled with spending time with their families and making sure their kids were priority and wife and things. That's something that I wouldn't, I wouldn't, have, I don't worry about. I know my kids know that I put them as a priority. My wife knows that too. So we've had ups and downs like any family does. But if my kids were able to, um, you know, make comments of it, it's nice. To, I'm I'm happy when I hear the fact that they know that uh, that dad made time for them. You know, coaching little league soccer or softball or whatever, and uh, making sure I had date nights with my wife. So those are those are ways that uh, I'm glad. Uh, God kept kept it as a focus in my life. But the influence of the world is becoming so away from Christ-centeredness that we have to work extra hard, uh, I think, uh, be more influential in the sense of our own productivity as it relates to God's Word. Um, and I know that, that that's part of your thinking as well, that you, you, you just can't leave your family alone. That has to be a priority no matter how much ministry uh, a lot of people would like to say, well, I'm doing ministry. Uh, my kids will turn out okay. Well, I'm not sure of that. Yeah, no. What do you say? No, I, I definitely don't think that's the case. I think uh, the kids will will resent the ministry, resent the church. I, I, I have some friends that whose, whose parents are pastors, uh, you know, they're PKs, and, uh, and they, they have a lot of resentment because the church, they will say, pulled, pulled their dad uh, away from the, from the family. And uh, and really, you know, that's that, the problem is that with the the pastor too. It's not uh, the the father. Uh, you know, you're in charge of your schedule, and you have to be able to say no to the church. Just like sometimes you got to say no to your kids or even your wife. But um, you know, you you need to be able to say that and have some good boundaries. And uh, it's easy to if you lose sight of your boundaries in regards to uh, your schedule, uh, your relationships that are important, uh, you become you know just being tossed about in the wind and that's not healthy what would you say would be a particular high point in ministry there are low points there are medium points there are high points and i think we all have probably um a hill experience that probably never goes away something that um god has let to happen in our life in ministry can you think of a time when that for sure was something that you will never forget. 
Well, I can think of high points and low points, uh, no doubt. Um, I can't say there's just one high point, um, but there are numerous. And uh, and these are a lot of times they're in worship services or in uh, small group settings with people. Um, uh, you know, when I think of uh, worship services, uh, things like a Good Friday service, um, Christmas Eve services, when I see uh, the congregation full and candles being held and everybody singing Silent Night. And, and the funny thing is my perspective of, say, a worship service like that is different than the congregations because I'm up front looking at everybody and all the candles. And it's a beautiful sight from my perspective up front looking out, whereas the congregation is in the midst of it and they don't get to see it really from my view. So um, that's kind of a cool, cool perspective. Um, you know, another high, uh, highlights or in small groups is watching and listening to someone come to realize God's grace and love for them. Uh, there was a guy in a new member class that I was talking with, and and I was telling him about God's grace, God's love, forgiveness, and that you know Christ died for all sins and for and for all people, and that there's nothing that a person could do that is too great uh, that Jesus couldn't. Uh, forgive and so as i was explaining that he this is a guy that's covered in tattoos and has some interesting markings on him and uh and he looks at me and he says now pastor you tell me that jesus his blood forgives us of all of our sins and i said yeah and i said it pretty casually you know because i'm just talking about things i talk about normally and he paused he goes no and he looks at me really really uh sternly are you telling me that Christ's blood forgives all my sins. And I could tell there he was not just casually asking. And uh, and and so I, I, I took a moment and I looked at him just as intently in the eyes and, you know, confirmed, yes, you know, about Christ's blood is good. And, uh, and just to see his face, and it began a friendship that we had for years to come, and uh, just to see his face... Uh, in that in that aspect was uh, was tremendous because knowing that the reality of God's love and grace was was really hitting home. So you know that's just a singular one on one type of conversation, but to me that's a that's a highlight. I think that you have experienced this like I have. <clears throat> what I'm about to describe, uh, teaching in a class of people, and you come to that gospel message that alone stands on its own. It has doesn't need any kind of support. And you see the scales all of a sudden fall from the eyes of people who up to this point had been ambivalent, indifferent toward it, and all of a sudden, isn't that a joyful experience when you see that? Yep, when you see people come to realize God's love and grace for them, it's uh, it's beautiful. You know, not it doesn't just happen in the church. We teach, you know, right. certainly we teach classes here. Um, I also teach for Concordia University in Austin, uh, Texas, and uh, and so I teach online classes, Old Testament, New Testament, and uh, Christian ethics. And the fun part about that for me is that not all of them are Christians. They're certainly not all Lutherans, but they're not even all Christians that are in class. So here I'm getting to teach stuff out of Scripture. And yes, I bring in some theology and some un- our understanding, our Lutheran flavor of Christianity. But, uh, um, but 
you know, just helping them see and hear about God's love through the through that academic process at the university, um, that is fun and engaging. So I've had some Muslims and some people are just atheists and, you know, just, you know, a wide variety of folks. So that's fun to see people really wrestle with the gospel. The joy will be when one day you see them face to face on the throne of Jesus and say, I remember you. <laughs> well, I've got a pretty bad memory, so we'll see what God can do. Well, they will. They will probably remind you that God used you in a special way to go. bring the message of truth, hope, and forgiveness uh, into their life. Um, there's probably some thoughts that we've not covered that help people to understand um, why we go into ministry, what happens during ministry, some of the things that probably um, have been more difficult for us to to, to face than others. But what? lasting thought can you give to a mom and dad whose son has come to them and said, Mom, I think I'd like to become a pastor like the one in our church. What would what would be the counsel in this context of education that you would give them? I would um, strongly encourage them to pray for their child, talk with their child, and uh, and support them in that role. Um, there's not that many pastors out there, um, and in this world, it's just going to get more hostile, I believe, to uh, to the Christian message. And and we, in our uh, flavor of Lutheranism, uh, certainly are uh, more and more different than the world is. Um, and so, I think it's it's a big it's going to be a big challenge. I think some people see pastoring as kind of an easy, maybe an easy route. Uh, that means they don't understand what the pastors are doing, but um, but certainly I think someone who wants to consider it, uh, pray for them and uh, encourage them along the way. It's a great it's a great ride. Well, I can remember just the the few people that God let me influence to together with the parents to become pastors, and I've seen them grow over the course of years, and and in their ministries what they have become. But I just want to say how gracious and thankful that I am that you're at St. John. Uh, you'll become a, an associate to a new senior pastor in the very near future. Uh, life will be different. Thinking will be different. Um, but the gospel will always be the same. The message will always be unchangeable. And the God who sends that message will always be unchangeable as well. But I just want to say thank you for our relationship um, relationship is good because it's based upon the unchanging word of God, the unchanging love that Jesus has displayed for us. I'd like to have you just take this next 45 seconds as we begin to close uh, this particular broadcast in prayer, especially thinking about those who've looked at ministry in a, in a different way than you and I have, but especially to those parents who are trying to be an influence to someone in their family to follow that path and follow Jesus. If you would, please. I have a prayer. Sure, let's pray. Uh, gracious Father in heaven, I do lift up, and I join my brother David here to lift up uh, families who are uh, wrestling with and hopefully joyfully wrestling with the idea that uh, there's a son there that is considering the ministry. And I pray that your spirit work on their heart to confirm that and also to provide the avenues uh, for that to occur. Uh, it's a kind of can be an expensive um, process getting a master's degree, 
so I pray that you line up uh, not only the willing hearts, but uh, also ways that uh, logistically uh, it will it will happen. Um, our congregation needs men who are going to stand on the word of God. And so we pray that, Father, you will lead them and uh, and strengthen them in these trying times. We ask this all in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Come back to us again on Engaging Truths next Sunday night at 7 and 7.30. Good night. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.